You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt and not just any elk hunt. We're talking about a seven or eight mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. You're going to be sleeping in a wall tent and you're going to be doing that for five days with the founder and CEO of Outdoor Edge, David Block. Now, if you've never been on an elk hunt before, I'm telling you right now, go sign up for this because if you ever hear a elk bugle, whether it's at 400 yards or it's at 40 yards, it is a life-changing experience. So here's how you enter. Go to OutdoorEdge.com. There's going to be a big banner for it somewhere on their homepage. All you have to do is click on that. Go fill out some information. I think your name, your email address, maybe some other stuff. And that's all you have to do. That's how you are entered. They're going to be picking a winner oh, a ways from now. So you have plenty of time to enter. Go visit OutdoorEdge.com. Sign up today. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast brought to you by Expedition Archery. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 74 where I recap my 2020 archery mule deer hunt in Colorado. Hello, and thanks again for tuning into the Transition Wild Podcast, your source for everything Western big game hunting. Man, we are at the end of September right now. I can't believe this month has just flown by. Uh, Just, it feels like yesterday I was getting prepared and scouting and just kind of getting all my ducks in a row for this high country mule deer hunt and here we are at the end of the at the end of the month and I just again I can't believe it has flown by. There's about a week left in the month, so any any of you guys and gals getting after it for archery season here in Colorado, whether it's mule deer or elk, and you still haven't got that tag wrapped around that bull or buck, I hope I hope you're still out there grinding and uh I wish you much much success. It could happen any minute, it could come down to the wire. That's usually how it rolls for me so um, (laughs) get after it and I hope you put one down also this time of the year always has me thinking to my Michigan roots so coming up here really quickly is every bow hunters just dream day in Michigan at at least and in a number of other states but October 1st that's it's right around the corner so I've always I've always had fond memories of that day and uh, I just can't help but think that's coming around the corner. So I look forward to seeing kind of all the posts from my Michigan friends and people who I follow on social media there kind of living vicariously through you when that day comes around. So I'm a little I'm a little jealous. So hopefully the Michigan – shout out to my Michigan hunters. Hopefully you guys are having some success early as well. All right. Uh, this episode we're going to cover my – 
2020 high country archery mule deer hunt in Colorado. And it was, it was a really, really cool hunt. And I, and I really want to dive into kind of the initial planning and, um, picking a unit and drawing the tag and then talk about some of the preparation that went into it. Some of my gear, digital scouting, um, research, and then some of my kind of fitness as well and, and preparing for the physical demands of, of a high country hunt and then talk a little bit about some of my actual scouting boots on the ground and then we'll pretty much just dive into the to the live action there so it's a it's a cool story and i look forward to sharing it with you guys so let's not wait any longer just jump right in before we begin today's episode is brought to you by expedition archery manufacturer of the world's finest archery experience expedition bows combine aerospace level quality innovative designs, and a fluid feel serious hunters demand. Test drive one today at your nearest archery retailer and view their full lineup at expeditionarchery.com. Why settle for status quo when opportunity and adventure awaits? Make your next hunt an expedition. All right, and we're back. You'll have to settle in here and, and get used to listening to just my voice because I, I don't have a guest today, obviously. <laughs> We're just going to cover my 2020 hunt for my archery mule deer here in Colorado. And it, I, I think I just wanted to kind of take it from the beginning and, and really kind of showcase every single little detail from the beginning as far as like the planning and preparation, drawing the tag to, to everything in between up until killing the deer and and then coming home and doing all that stuff so uh there's gonna be a lot of details hopefully i don't bore you too much and you don't get tired of hearing my voice but here we go so this all started back at the end of 2019 that's kind of when my mind is always racing to okay what's what's coming down the pipe for next year and and really cr- trying to dial some stuff in for the upcoming fall so i i've shot one mule deer here in Colorado a couple years ago with the rifle and it was cool and and I really enjoyed that hunt lots of good memories and but I've always wanted to kill one with my bow and I just had had never put in for an archery tag because the last I don't know three years I've I've well really since I moved out here in 2016 2015 2016 every archery season's always been dedicated to elk and uh, so that, that's a big reason why I haven't, haven't done it so far, but this year I was like, you know what, it's, it's time to kind of put elk on the back seat, back burner for a little bit. And, and I want to do a, a mule deer hunt an archery mule deer hunt. And so then I kind of got to thinking of, of what, what I wanted for an experience. What, what did I, did I want to hunt more like low country pinion pines, and in that type of terrain, aspens, that sort of thing, or did I wanted to go even higher on a, a basically above tree line hunt? And and really, the sky's the limit. You can kill mule deer at a, a number of different elevations at any time of the year. But seeing a lot of videos and just talking to a lot of different people and just doing some research online, man, the the high country just kind of grabs your heart, right? So seeing some people kill mule deer above tree line 12 13,000 feet that was something i wanted to do i thought that was just 
something that was going to be really cool and demanding and tough, but something unique and different that I've never experienced before. So I kind of started off with that. I was kind of like, well, what, what experience do I want and what, what do I want to do and what type of train do I want to be in? So that was kind of the initial thought process after I decided that I was going to hunt uh, mule deer with a bow in 2020. So then uh, from there, obviously being kind of in this podcast world, working in the hunting industry, I get to meet and talk with a lot of different people from all of the country. And so I've, I've always got buddies to talk to for advice and to kind of pick their brains on some things. And actually one of my buddies has hunted this unit before. I think he hunted it like three, four years ago, something like that. And he had some success in the unit and, and I just really, it was a high country hunt. And I was like, man, that, that seems pretty cool. And, um, and that wasn't the only deciding factor. I didn't want to let that like, Oh, I got to hunt this unit. Cause he's going to fill me in on every single detail. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. Um, but I got to talking to him and it was a decently close drive. I think it was about, it's about four hours to get to the unit from where I live. So it's not terribly far, but it's not exactly close. So, but I, I didn't want to, part of my other reasoning for choosing the unit was that I didn't want to necessarily have to drive like a full day or like six or eight or 10 hours to get to a certain unit. I wanted to be able to hunt it like maybe some weekends if I got some extra time or the week hunt didn't work out. So I wanted it to be decently close, but it didn't have to be like right in my backyard either. And, uh, so that was it. I kind of nailed down the unit by talking with my buddy and just kind of doing some further research and everything online, scanning some forums, and then um, pretty much made up my mind that I was going to do it. I had I had a, had enough points to draw the unit as well. I've been saving up my points for a few years to try to to you know in anticipation that I was going to have to burn these points. Everything in Colorado for mule deer is a is a draw unless you can buy something left over or um, you know, after the big initial draws went through, but, um, most archery stuff gets drawn up in the, in the initial big game draw application. So you have to use your points on that. So, um, let's see, March comes around and the application window opens up and apply and everything crossed my fingers. And, and I didn't really know what to expect because everything was so crazy around the time with coronavirus and, and everything. I was like, huh, well, maybe there's going to be less hunters because there's going to be this crazy pandemic and, you know, people aren't going to be wanting to travel and all that good stuff. And, and, and that was kind of true towards the beginning of, of March and mid March. And then, uh, but then the draw application window stays open for, about a month. So by the time end of March, early April comes around, well, people are getting maybe laid off or, and that's about the time people start working remote and working from home. And so everyone's got all this free time. So I was, then I was like, well, shoot, you know, people are going to be applying in, in droves probably for Colorado in preference points and elk tags and, and deer tags. So I was like, ah, I didn't really know what to expect. I still felt pretty confident I was going to draw the tag. I thought I had like probably one or two more points than I actually needed, but uh, 
still, I just didn't know. When the demand goes up, you're always just kind of wondering if you're actually going to get it. So I put in for the tag and just crossed my fingers. I didn't put in for an archery elk tag because I wanted to put all my eggs in this basket and focus all my time here should something not work out during the week. Uh, I was going to be up there. I could come back and, and maybe try to give it a second go. But um, so I applied, and then the then the waiting game happens, and and um, you just always because the let's see the results come out in July, I think. Yeah or no June, I don't know June or July. I get everything mixed up, and I'm trying to think right now, and I just can't do that because it's too late. But. Uh, got the results and, and prior to that, I, you're kind of like hoping and wondering because you don't want to necessarily get too vested in this, but at the same time, you don't want to necessarily not do any sort of preparation and, and, and game planning <laughs> and only have like a couple months to, to wait or, or a couple months till the, till the season kicks off. So, um, during that time it was kind of like, ah, am I going to get it? Am I not? And. I ended up drawing the tag, which was awesome. I love getting those emails from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. You are successful. And so it was cool to see that. And so that once I drew the tag, that really kind of solidified everything. The motivation was certainly there. And um, one thing that just from the from the standpoint of, of preparation, I've shot my bow this year more times and I've practiced more times and put more hours and more arrows down range than probably any other year I've ever hunted. Um, I knew that this hunt was going to be pretty demanding and I knew that if I got an opportunity to shoot at a deer, I didn't want the bow to miss or for me to, to fail because I didn't practice enough. And so I've been shooting my expedition, the MX-16. I got the bow last December and got everything set up, and I, I'd been shooting that thing all year. I made some tweaks to it, put on a new, um, uh, let's see, I put on a new rest, I put on a new sight. Uh, I One thing I did was actually drop the poundage down to 65. I, I've always been shooting 70 pounds. I can shoot 70 pounds just fine, but this year I really wanted to work on my form and my draw cycle and, and really being able to hold longer and just more comfortable. And I tell you what, I mean, just going down to 65 pounds makes a big, I'm, I'm not a small guy. I'm not a Olympic bodybuilder by any means, but, um, 70 pounds really hasn't been a problem. It's just, I was, I was pretty amazed when I dropped down to 65, how much more comfortable I felt just at full draw and how how much easier it was to, to kind of draw back. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, the, the arrows are still pretty darn fast. I mean, I have a 30-inch draw, so that helps, obviously. But, man, that it made a big difference, and it really helped me focus in on my form and, and, and be more comfortable through the whole shot. So I this year was kind of like, for me, with this tag – from the from the shooting side and with the bow and the archery equipment it was kind of like a rebuilding year it's it's really kind of how i put it because i pretty much overhauled not only my equipment and my gear uh from the archery standpoint but really my form and and grip and shot process and the way i 
kind of pull through the shot and everything. It was just it was just a lot of fun, and it all revolves around this high country mule deer hunt because, like I said, I I didn't want to get up there at thirteen thousand feet and have just not feel prepared or confident in my shot. So I shot. I was shooting. You know, throughout the summer, I was probably doing at least three to four days a week, some, um, sometimes every day of the week, whether it's just 20 or 30 yards out and out. And I just shoot in my back alley. I, I live in town, so I don't have a, a lot of room to shoot, but I can shoot like 30 yards back there. Um, and then I do long range practice as well and, and really push it out there to like 70, 80 yards with my new site. And, and, and that helped out a lot. So that I just wanted to touch on that because it really this tag really forced me to hone back into the really the the process of of archery and and form and good good etiquette and just just really dialing it back in and, and rebuilding from scratch so I, I wanted to I wanted to talk about that as far as like other stuff in regards to gear I had purchased a spotting scope a couple of years or let's see no the year prior kind of knowing that hey eventually I'm going to do a hunt like this a lot of the places where I elk hunt I just I just don't bring it with me I don't really I don't hunt that type of country very often so it was something I never really needed but I, I bought it thinking that hey in years years to come I'm, I'm going to need this um so the spotting scope was something I already had but it was going to be a first for me for really actually kind of using it and and bringing it with me so that other than that that was pretty much between just the bow and the sight and the rest and the spotting scope that was kind of only like the really new gear that that kind of came into the mix for this hunt all the other clothing the backpacks the the boots everything else was already in my repertoire from from elk hunting so that was nice i didn't have to to buy a ton of gear and really didn't have to buy anything but it's just kind of what i did leading up to this hunt the other thing that i did i guess kind of not necessarily related to the mule deer hunt but i went and got basically i built myself a home archery shop and so i was, I was just tired of driving back and forth driving an hour to a shop paying the money and just the time and not being not being able to know it um through and through and in and out of of your equipment and i guess try not to to rant here or to to ramble on but it all revolves back to kind of relearning and and rebuilding my archery again so like i was kind of from this coming from the standpoint of like i'm a hardcore archery hunter i love bow hunting and I don't even know how to work on my own gear, and I don't, I don't, don't necessarily understand how things operate and how uh, cam timing, or how to do twists in a string, or how to tie in a D loop, or how to time a drop away rest. I've been hunting for so long and, and archery hunting. I was kind of like, well, if I'm gonna rebuild kind of from the ground up and kind of start again and really focus on my form, well, I also want to focus and be kind of more self-sufficient in the standpoint of, of operating on this equipment and, and, and that, and being able to make changes to my draw length or, um, move my peep sight up and down or put it in the press and, um, change this position of, uh, you know, retying a D loop or, um, whatever, whatever you need to do or, uh, 
I have a draw board so I can draw back and check the cam timing. All that little stuff that now I could do really helped me improve my archery and, and my shooting because I'm able to do it. I'm able to shoot some arrows outside and then come in and make some changes and then I can go back out and shoot again. And um, so that that was another big, I guess, uh, gear purchase that really helped me prepare for this hunt. And and um, I've had on a number of podcast guests over the years and, and um, I guess I revolt back to Cliff Gray. I had him on like a year ago and uh from from flat tops wilderness guides and 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 he sees a lot of people come out to colorado and they're maybe they're not prepared for certain things like physically or uh, mentally and and maybe they're just buying gear off amazon or whatever and and he and he really in one of those podcasts he really said just you need to really practice and focus in on what you need to improve on, not what you're already good at or what's easy. And honestly, I, f- I felt like a lot of other stuff I've got, I, I, I know high country terrain, I, um, in decent physical shape. I'm, I'm a decent hunter. I would say I know how to move in on animals and stuff like that. But one thing that I've kind of lacked the last couple of years, especially is just my, my shooting and my form and my accuracy and, and just being a good shot. So that was one thing I, I just really honed in. This has been a really long rant about gear and me preaching about my, my kind of rebuilding my, my archery and everything. But, um, it just, it just really comes full circle back to this hunt and uh, why I wanted to be prepared. So that's that's a little bit about the gear side. From there, I did a lot of digital scouting and just just studying Onyx maps and, and just marking waypoints. If I thought something looked pretty good, I would I would kind of mark it and studying roads and trails and how would I would how I would access. I mean, when you pick a unit whether it's in Colorado or any other state, I mean, most units are pretty damn big. I mean, it's, you kind of, you kind of look at a unit and you're like, man, this is like miles and miles and miles and miles of, of terrain and all this public land. And you're like, where do you even start? Well, for me, it, it really just started as like, I wanted to be in that high country area. So, um, some of the unit had it, it was, you know, different pockets of it that, that have this high country area along with, I mean, a lot of Colorado units have it. You just, depending on where you're at, but, um, you know, looking at that, that kind of eliminates a big portion or certain portions of of where you're going to hunt. So I started marking out these high country areas, looking at different basins, looking at, um, yeah, again, like trail systems and and roads, stuff like that, how I could access and really just kind of getting the general lay of the land. Um, talking with my buddy, you know, he was able to point me in some spots and say, Hey, you know, this is a decent area. You can check this out. Or, you know, this is where I got into some deer. And that was really helpful too. And, um, I didn't want to necessarily, I guess when it came to like digital scouting and, and kind of getting prepared for a physical scouting in Michigan, I, I was kind of, Initially in my mind, I was like, ah, I'm going to run trail cameras all summer and I'm going to get up there and scout every weekend and, and reality unfolds. And I just did not do that. I, 
I was able to get out for um, one one scouting mission, and that was and that was it. So I I I let's see. I've had Jared Scheffler on the podcast before talk about elk hunting and and some western whitetail stuff, but he talks. He's he's kind of the master of this. He he really doesn't do any scouting, or I mean, he'll look at a map and stuff before and kind of get a general lay of things. But he doesn't get vested in a certain deer or a certain spot or anything. He's always just playing for the day that he shows up and whatever unfolds when you get there. Because things change and and, and some people get caught up in like, oh, I got a scout and pattern of these deer and and kind of kind of know everything going into it. And at first I was like, I should probably be spending more time and doing that but I knew because of my time schedule I wasn't going to be able to hunt the the opening week um so I figured things were going to shift things were going to move around there was going to be hunting pressure in there and any deer that I was scouting probably wouldn't be in the same spot or would be pushed into another area so I kind of just threw that out the window one I didn't have the time to get up there as much as I thought because uh, it was further drive that I anticipated, like three and a half, four hours just to get there. So um, it's not a long drive, but it's not a short drive either where I can do that every single weekend. Um, and then two, I just wanted to play play for the, the, the moment and uh, know that once I got out there, I was going to read sign and glass and, and, and just figure it out. So that was, that was kind of the game plan. Um, prior to scouting, I had been watching a ton of YouTube videos. I just uh, when I'm just chilling with my little guy at home, and I'm I'm just hanging with him. We'll we'll put on a, a the YouTube and and we'll watch. <laughs> we'll just, I just Googled uh, high country archery mule deer hunts, and and there's a lot of good content out there, and just some of them are really really cool just to see. And and I was like, oh, I wonder if this is what it's gonna be like, or ah oh, man, I. I wonder if this is going to be the type of terrain I kill them in and, and, or is it going to be more timber? Am I going to catch them in, you know, a grassy area or will he be in the sage? Like, I, I just don't know. I didn't know what to expect. So I'm watching all these videos and people telling their story and, and going through the day by day and how much of a grind it can be. And it was, I, that really kind of helped a lot from like perspective and, and, um, really what that country looked like. So I was watching YouTube videos of, of, of mule deer hunting all summer. Really enjoyed that. Thanks for anybody on YouTube who's, who's put out a, a mule deer video. Really cool to follow. Uh, so let's see, eight, August, early August, I think like the first or second week of August, I'd planned out to do a scouting mission there in, in, uh, in the unit. So I... I was initially going to do two nights and kind of get up there and and drive around, hike into some areas and, and do that whole thing. So I I leave here. It's like Friday late afternoon, and I'm hoping to get there by like sometime in the evening to get set up and, and maybe do some glassing or whatever, drive around and get set up. I just sleep in the back of my truck. I've got a topper and just throwing a sleeping bag with a sleeping pad and, and kind of everything right there. I wasn't planning on setting up a tent or anything. So I drove there, got there late, 
didn't have time to to really glass. I, I just got basically I was able to make a, a dinner and uh, get my kind of truck ready to go to bed, and that was it. So, um, I'd driven to a spot that I thought looked pretty good on the map. It was roughly 12, 5, 13,000 feet. And I parked at this trailhead and, and got up the next morning and, and started hiking pretty early. I think I started hiking at like definitely before, before light. I think I started hiking about five o'clock and I had intended to go up this trail a little ways and it basically does a split. You can go right into up and over into another basin, or you can go left, and that was going to take you up to a 14er, which I had known about. Uh, so I'm hiking in the dark and and got all my gear with me, and I'm hiking up this trail, and it was like semi moonlit, so I didn't have my headlamp on, and so I was just kind of walking in the in the dark with with the light of the moon, kind of able to see the trail and everything. And so I'm walking along and I'm not really paying attention. I'm not really checking my Onyx maps. I'm like, I'll see this split. Like it should be a pretty, pretty noticeable split. And I just keep walking, 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 didn't end up checking my Onyx. Finally, I'm like, man, I feel like I should have came to this like cutoff point where I can, you know, hang a right. Well, I turns out I, I just end up walking right past it and, and miss uh, the route I was supposed to take. So I look at the map and I'm like, at this point, I'm probably like a half mile past it. And I'm like, damn it. Like I've missed it. Now I got to turn around and go back. And then I'm not going to be where I wanted to be at first light. And I'm like, what do I do? So, um, long story short, instead of going the route I intended to go, I, uh, (laughs) missed my trail and ended up climbing up to this 14er pretty much just on a whim, not really knowing uh, what it would be, but I've lived in Colorado for five years and I'd yet to hike a 14er. So I was like, well, why not? I'm just going to hike this mountain and and maybe I'll be able to get a view from the top. But either way, I was kind of mad that like I'd messed up my game plan. Um, Obviously I could have turned around and whatever, but I was like, at this point, let's just go this route. So Climb the 14er, I get up there a couple hours later, and I'm at the top, and it was really cool. I really enjoyed that, and it was unexpected surprise because when I got up to the top of that, I could see into the drainage in the basin that I wanted to actually go into, but then I could also see the backside and then glass a lot of those cuts and drainages as well, so it ended up actually working out better than my original plan, just be, just from the sheer standpoint of being able to see more country. So it, it didn't turn out that bad. So on the way up to the 14er, you know, I'm glassing some of the drainages and whatever along the way. And I saw some deer in there, but I couldn't really, couldn't really get a good beat on them. Um, so then I got up to the top of the 14er and, and then I, uh, first start glassing over into that drainage that I was going to go in. And boom, immediately see deer, immediately see like a bachelor group of bucks. Probably there's like seven in there. And there's a few like decent ones in there. I'd say like 160s, 170s, you know, maybe the top end. A lot of them were 140s, 150s. They weren't scrub bucks by any means, but man, it was cool to see. So that that got me pumped up. And uh, so then I turn around glass on the other side and uh, kind of right below me, not that far away. I mean, they were far away, but like probably, I don't know, 
thousand foot down. I mean, they were definitely down there a ways. See another, uh, you know, six, seven, eight deer just laying below me down in the high country. And they're kind of up, tucked up against these rocks. And man, it was just really cool to see. At first, I just, I was like, ah, there's no deer down there. But because I don't have a lot of like, lot of time and, and experience sitting behind a spotting scope and, and glassing, um, you know, those deer blended in really well. So I, at first, for the first like five minutes, I just wasn't seeing anything. And then it's like, you really got to hone in and pick apart the details and, and really look because they'll, even with high powered glass, even at decently close range, I was missing these deer, but you know, you start taking your time and focusing in ended up getting my eyes on some some good bucks as well no true giants in that group either but i mean still like 150s 160s 170s and man i i've made up in my mind i was going to shoot something like that uh if i got the opportunity i'd shoot a 140s the first day i uh i'd already made that up in my mind it just had to be a respectable buck and uh so yeah that was that was pretty much the extent of the scouting trip that morning um, spent a couple hours up there at the top and then climbed back down and really I, uh, wanted to focus the rest of the day on just like driving around the unit. I think you can learn a lot. Um, so like I felt really good. I got to put my eyes on like 14, 15 deer that morning. And, uh, so I wanted to kind of take a decent amount of the rest of the day and just drive around and, glass and kind of learn different routes and drive up this area and see what this access would look like and that was kind of more of my game plan uh didn't end up spending another night up there like i thought i was um you know i just i guess uh well one thing there was just a number of like it was so busy like so many atvs so many side by side so many jeeps which is great like i'm not people are out there having fun or whatever but man it was just like so so busy I was constantly having to pull over on the road and and I don't know I just I guess I got kind of annoyed at that and and again it's not not any like people are just out there having fun but I was just like okay I'm, I'm ready to just be done driving so I ended up coming home that night so I'd only just spent the one night there, did the one morning hike, did a lot of glassing. But as I was driving through the rest of the unit, you know, I'm glassing different drainages, glassing different stuff from the road and, and just really getting a good lay of the land and, and really want to know what I was getting into and, and, uh, whatever. So I was able to hit some of the other spots. I was digital scouting and kind of get eyes on those, even though I didn't go up in there and like, put boots everywhere I was still able to kind of get a look at it and and get a bird's eye view a lot of these spots so that was it was really helpful and you know for for never going or being in this area before in Colorado it really just gives you that peace of mind of like knowing so like when you actually show up to it it's not just like a shell shell shock of like okay this is like brand new country I have no idea where I'm at I this this really yes it was about getting uh, eyes on some deer and doing that but it was also like getting the lay of the land and and like learning and, and becoming more comfortable in that terrain so that was pretty much it um kind of the last thing as far as like preparation i started let's see probably like mid-july right let's see 
right after Fourth of July, I took a home uh, trip back home to Michigan and had a good vacation, relaxing. But after I got back that week, I really started eating pretty good, uh, cleaned up the diet, and then I started working out quite a bit. So I was running, I was doing push-ups, sit-ups, whatever, just any activity I could do to to really prepare myself because I knew that at 12, 13,000 feet, I mean, this is going to be no joke. It's not exactly flat up there and you're not exactly just hiking around with a water bottle. I mean, you've got to pack with all of your gear and your spotting scope and your bow and water and food and, and everything. So I really beefed up the, uh, the, uh, physical training and in, in addition, in conjunction with my shooting. So I, uh, that, that was a good portion of my summer leading up to that. It was just a lot of preparation from the physical side, shoot my bow and eating good. That was, that was really it. As we got a little bit closer to the hunt, um, in September, probably like late August. And and I've been thinking about this for a while, but after the scouting trip, I was like, well, do I want to do like a bivy hunt and have everything on my back and, and, you know, have my tent and everything right there in my backpack? Or do I want to do more of a, of a truck style where I sleep in my truck one night, go up and hunt this area, come If I didn't get in anything, I come back down and then I could be more mobile. So I'd kind of racked my brain about around, um, that for a while. And I still hadn't figured out exactly what I wanted to do. So I kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it, and I, I had my bag packed, uh, let's see, this is like early September. My plan was to, to hunt, leave probably Labor Day weekend. I was going to try to get out like the Sunday, the day before Labor Day. It was going to be the first day I could hunt. So I was I was trying to figure out my gear and, you know, anytime you're like kind of last minute packing you're always like, well, what should I do? What should I pack? How should my bag be packed? What gear am I going to bring? What food am I going to bring? All that stuff. So I ultimately decided to truck camp, but I brought everything in case I got into an area and, and was like, man, this is pretty good and I should spend some time up here. I still had the my lightweight tent, my sleeping bag, all the stuff, jet boil, everything to be able to do uh, a couple nights you know, away from the truck if, if I found good sign and, and felt like it made sense to do that. So, uh, but it felt good, like knowing that, Hey, I was just going to do a truck hunt for the, for the first day and, and try some country that I know. And, and really my game plan was to, uh, go back to the spot that I'd scouted. Cause I knew that that was the, the spot. I actually got boots on the ground. I, I was able to see where these deer were betting. So that scouting trip, even though it was just a day, like it, it really did help and, and, and determine where I'm going to go first and, uh, and, and what I'm going to do first day. All right. So let's see. I, I was not able to get out on the Sunday before Labor Day. I think, let's see what, what date is that? I think it was like the seventh. Was that Sunday? Pull up my calendar here. I got out on on that Monday, let's see, no, Sunday was the 6th, I got out on the 7th, so I was, I was anticipating on being able to, to get out there that evening on the 7th, and then be able to hit it hard, um, Monday morning, like, 
be hiking at a trailhead at like 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. or whatever. But didn't end up working out that way. I got behind schedule. And um, so I decided, well, I'll just stay the night at my house on September 6th. And then I'll just get up real early and I'll drive to the unit and I'll try to be like in the unit, not necessarily at a trailhead or ready to be hunting, but in the unit by like daybreak or like between like 7.30 and 8 o'clock, somewhere in there at the latest. So um, had all my gear packed, everything the night before and left early yeah i think i got up at like 3 a.m i think i was on the road by like 3 30 and just drove like the four hours so i ended up getting to the unit sometime yeah like 7 30 somewhere in there maybe maybe it took me a little less time because there's really no traffic uh <laughs> that time of day so i think i got there around seven so it was roughly like half hour after um you know first light somewhere in there and what's cool is like as soon as I drove into the unit, you know, I was at a pretty good spot where I could glass and see and everything. And and so immediately once I cross into the unit, like I'm kind of like in hunt mode. And I'm like, man, it's like it's game on. Like this is this is actually here and, and we're doing it. If I see a deer as I'm driving, hey, it could be could be a shooter and maybe I'll just put a stock on it right away. But so I'm driving through the unit, driving real slow kind of glassing, um, taking my time and, and, you know, see, see deer immediately, see some does. Uh, and then I start seeing some small bucks and everything. And these are just right off the road. And, uh, so it was just cool to see, like, it was, it was just fun to see deer right off the bat and it kind of gets your blood pumping. Cause it's, it's one thing to like see them during scouting and kind of the, the the time before season starts but once the season starts and you've got that tag in your pocket you're like man it's game on so it was just like a completely different feeling driving through there this time versus the scouting trip just because I felt like I was like in the game like in the hunt and I was um it really could happen at any time so kept driving kept driving um didn't see any deer I wanted to shoot and um saw some elk saw some elk uh, running through there which is which is cool and um yeah just kept slowly glassing as i drove and and um i was like well i'll get down i'll try to get to the area that i parked before and hiked and 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 scouted previously back in august and that's what i did i drove up drove up there got to that trailhead and let's see i think about that time it was like 8 30 probably took me an hour to get over there just because I was moving so slow and just kind of really really piecing uh picking apart different hillsides and everything with the glass I did get out of my truck a few times at different overlooks and you know if I just hiked like 100 yards up this way I could see more country so I was doing stuff like that um so I got to, to the trailhead and got there shot my bow made sure everything was dialed in the one thing I didn't do previously on my scouting trip which I wanted to I don't know why I didn't but I wanted to shoot my bow at, at that elevation to see if there was a difference in flight and like how how that would affect my shot. And so that was the first thing I did after getting kind of parked and everything. Got out the bow, set up the target, and started shooting arrows. And I and I definitely was hitting slightly high. It wasn't as much as I thought it was going to be, but you know I was shooting like maybe a half inch uh inch high at like 40 yards something like that it wasn't too bad but 
So instead of kind of like making any adjustments, I just kind of put that in the back of my brain and was like, hey, if I've, I've got like a further shot or whatever, um, you know, maybe aim slightly lower. But it wasn't it wasn't night and day difference. But it felt good to shoot, kind of get anything organized. And I think by like, yeah, about nine o'clock, I was I was hiking. So it wasn't like ideal from the standpoint of like I'm I'm hiking up and and dark and gonna get to a glassing spot. It wasn't like that. Uh, how I envisioned that's that's why I wanted it to go, but it just ended up working out. So I started hiking at like nine. Um, so other people on the trail, mainly just hikers and stuff, going to the 14er and whatnot. And um, yeah, I get to the same point where I can where it splits. I can go right or I can go left. Uh, this time I took the right and uh, started hiking up and. Um, let's see, along this trail, I, uh, kind of pulled off. So it probably took me, I don't know, 45 minutes to kind of get up to that split, maybe a half hour. And then I just kind of slowly started working to the right. And as I'm moving up this portion of the trail, I kind of cut off and, and, and veer to the right and, and set up and get my spotter out. And I'm looking kind of at the hillside and everything and this is a big drainage and I can see both sides really well and uh not that far off the trail I'm just kind of glassing and and looking and pretty much immediately within the first couple minutes I uh I spotted a group of bachelor bucks and they were pretty far off I anticipated or they were probably I don't know three quarters of a mile maybe a mile I don't know I was glassing pretty far I mean they were it was going to be definitely a, a long hike in there to get them just based on where they were bedded and everything. And so I'm like, well, it's, it's something to go on. So I, uh, I couldn't really tell because they were so far off. I, I thought maybe one was like decent, but at that distance, and I don't have a lot of like field judging experience on mule deer, especially behind the glass. So I wasn't too sure of exactly the caliber, but I thought they were like decent bucks. So I was like, well, it's better than nothing. And I might as well go after these and at least get a little closer so I can get a better beat on them and, and, and see what they really are. So I keep hiking up the trail and I get up to the top of this other ridge and then it drops over into another basin. Um, but before I get to the top of that, I kind of stop and I, and I, and I look and, and wanted to kind of glass some country below me that I'd kind of walked past and missed. And, uh, so I sat up, I was a little hungry, so got out a couple granola bars and just kind of enjoying the morning, taking my time. And I'm looking down below and with my naked eye, I'm like, man, I'm pretty sure there's deer just like right below me. So I throw up, throw up my binoculars and I'm like, well, damn, yeah, like there's there's deer, there's three bucks right down there, and they're, I think they're bigger than the ones I had just classed up that I was going to check out, and they're a hell of a lot closer, and they're not too far off the hiking trail. So I'm like, wow, this is like a, this is like a win-win. Um, so I spot these three deer, and one I estimated to be about. 140s maybe low 140s somewhere in there nice buck I would have shot him um the other one was like maybe 150s low 150s and and um the other one was probably I don't know upper 160s low 170s he was he was a pretty good deer um 
but the smallest buck, he was kind of down in this little little ravine. Uh, I guess the way I explain it, kind of looks like a dry creek bed. There's no water in it, but on each side, there's kind of like a like a rock uh, wall, like a 10, 15, 20-foot rock face on each side of this little ravine, and he's just down there feeding in it. And uh, it's kind of cool down there. The sun was still low enough where it was kind of shaded, so he's just down there feeding, calm, whatever. And then the other two bigger bucks are just up above him, bedded on this little, like, hill right above the ravine. And... I'm like, cool. Well, this is this is awesome. Like I like this is like literally first morning within the first hour and I've got a good potential stock option here. So, I was I was pretty ecstatic for that. So, finish up my granola bar, put my, you know, binoculars away and and um from where I was sitting on the hill as I mentioned a little bit ago that on the I'm almost to the top of the ridge. I'm not quite on top, but I'm I'm just below it. But on the backside of that ridge is another bigger basin. And that's, um, so the wind was coming, at that time, the wind was coming up that basin. I don't know why. Um, it looked like it was coming like up and over that basin. Because um, when I, I was up on top of the ridge at, at one point, and it was coming, it was like blowing in my face. And so it was piling up over that basin and then pushing down into the basin that those deer were bedded in. So I was like, well, based on where I'm at and what the wind is doing right now, I need to come in below these deer. And maybe I can kind of pick, pick my way up below them and, you know, maybe get a shot. I don't know. So... I start moving down direct, basically directly down um, to them, and as I get down, I don't know. I probably dropped like a hundred foot, maybe a couple hundred feet, and the wind when I got down lower is now actually blowing up the mountain. So this is kind of like that like mid morning time frame where the thermals, I don't know, they can kind of go either way. Um, but once once I got down a little bit further, the the wind was definitely coming up. So I was like, well, shoot, this isn't going to work because once I get below them, and now that I'm down low enough, the thermals in this in this basin are actually coming up. So I was like, well, that's not going to work. So I back out. I I come back up where I was originally when I spotted them, and I jump back over to the hiking trail. So I get back on the hiking trail. Um, and I'm walking, and basically my plan was to get on the exact opposite side from where I was. So I want to move over basically the exact opposite line of, of where I currently was at when I spotted them. So I get back on the hiking trail, and and man, sure enough, like as I'm walking down that hiking trail, I could see those deer clear as day. I mean, we're only talking like maybe 300 yards 250 yards off this trail that like hikers and, and shit are like walking by like constantly. And and same thing with me. Like I, I was, I was winded going up this, this trail that I was just like, ah, I'm just going to focus on hiking. And then once I get to the top, I'll, I'll check some stuff out. But man, I walked right past these deer. I mean, and, and so are other people, no other hunters there, but I mean, these deer have to be used to seeing other people and dogs and catching their scent, whatever. So I was like, man, this is crazy that they're this close. But 
hey, if they're they're not perceived as a threat, then then they're they're comfortable. And they were in a pretty pretty sp- good spot where like, I mean, the the country I was at, I was at um, when I first sp- spotted them, I was at like roughly thirteen thousand feet sitting upon that ridge. Um, but these deer were at like twelve five, and there was no trees around. It's all grass. There's no shrubs. There's no there's no sagebrush or anything. It's just all grass. And so that's why they were there. They're bedded on this little hill and they've got a great vision. One's facing this way, one's facing the other way. Um, the other one's down in the ravine, but it's just like their strength is like sitting out there in the open. So, um, so I saw them from the trail and I didn't want to stop and look at them or whatever. I didn't want to like make them antsy or make it seem like something was out of place. So I kept walking just like the other hikers. And then I kind of veer back off the trail and now I'm on the exact opposite side and I'm using this kind of like ridge to, to move behind and and keep my cover. So now I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred yards from them on the, on the opposite side. And I'm, I'm glassing, just kind of watching. Well, the, so I can't see the smallest deer. He's, he's now on the backside of this knoll down in that ravine. And I can see the two deer that were bedded up on that little hill. And so I'm looking and kind of watching, taking my time, just slow steps, just glassing quite a bit. And I see the bigger deer get up and, uh, he kind of just stands there for a little bit, kind of mills around, whatever. But then he turns around and drops over into that ravine very slowly, very cautiously, and drops over into that ravine where the other smaller buck was at. So I was like, sweet, like I've only got one set of eyes to beat at this point. And uh, again, I'd shoot any three of those deer. Basically, the first one that gives me an opportunity, I'll shoot. So I wasn't going to be picky, but um so i was like well cool like so the 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 third deer that was left the one i ended up shooting um he is bedded kind of next to this like small he's on top of the hill but he's got he's bedded like right up next to this smaller rock i don't know it's probably like two and a half foot three foot tall so uh and it kind of worked well because he was kind of like facing away slightly and there was this rock right next to him so uh, I was like, well, there, there's my ticket because I can see the tops of his antlers and everything just fine, but he can't see my, he can't see me and, uh, but I can still keep a beat on him as I'm kind of hiking in. So I come off the little ridge and I drop down below him as I'm working down that hill to get down into this other little, uh, ravine before I move up that hill to where that deer's bedded, um, that deer gets up and does the same thing kind of mills around for a little bit uh head to the ground feeding whatever but then he slowly walks over and and joins those other two deer in that little ravine cut and so i'm like man this is like this is really really working out like better than expected and i'm like man i have a i at this point i feel like i have a legit chance at getting a shot at one of these deer Um, because that was going to be a tough thing is like closing the distance on these deer in this open country but if you can get them in a spot, whether like they're bedded up against a cliff or down in a deep little cut, like that's that's just like that's the stuff you dream of. So at this point, I, I was feeling pretty good. So um, I kind of worked down. I'm in this like there's a little creek running through, and so once I get down and get across that creek, I'm probably I don't know 100 
100 yards away. So I drop my pack and uh, knock an arrow and get my rangefinder kind of handy, and I just slowly start kind of walking. I'm not crawling. I'm not crouching because I know where these deer are at. Uh, they're in a very killable spot, and um, I move rather quickly. Not running, but I'm like, I'm, I'm you know, moving at a decent uh, slow walk to try to get cl- cut some of this distance because this late morning the wind can get a little bit swirly and I was worried about that and um, kind of looking back at it those those deer uh, were bedded on that knoll and I think this kind of researching watching videos and and reading articles those deer will kind of they have their initial first morning bed, but like kind of mid morning, they'll, they'll kind of switch spots. Like the sun might get to them a little bit and they kind of want to get to a different area. Well, down that little ravine was pretty shaded, um, because it was so steep and, and, and definitely there was some wind coming through there. It was just a little cooler, some grass in there. Like it was, it was kind of, um, I felt like they were moving in there because of that, uh, the sun was, was coming up. So, uh, so let's see, where was I? So I dropped my pack. I'm, I'm hiking in or walking in very slowly, but at a decent pace. And so I get to the base of that hill that those, those deer were previously just bedded on and, uh, just slowly start kind of taking my time, watching my step and my stepping on like a little, like dried out leafy vegetation where it's going to make some noise or, you know, can I find a good good route to just step on dirt and everything so I'm really at this point I'm probably I don't know within 50 as I'm climbing up this hill and uh I'm really taking my I'm taking my time but I'm I'm moving each step is with a purpose and I'm and I'm trying to get my line down right so I'm moving up the hill and uh I'm I'm the wind would kind of pick up and then like kind of die down and then pick up and then it die down. And, and so you take, as you move within that 50 yards, for sure. I, I always try to, especially if the ground's a little crunchy or whatever, you try to move when that wind really picks up because it, it does help cover your noise. Um, the wind was like kind of coming across me and maybe like slightly, I was like slightly quartering into it, but it was mainly coming like directly across me, but I was kind of far enough at that point, a little bit above those deer. Um, and then, you know, if the wind held true, it was just never, never going to hit him as long as it, it kept on that same line. So I move up the hill just real slow. Again, I've got an arrow knock and I'm ready. And cause I know it can happen any, any second. And so I get up to the top of the knoll and I'm right. And I'm like, sweet. I've made it to that little rock that that deer was just bedded up against. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to kind of wait it out here. I don't, I didn't want to be too, and, and when I got up to that rock, I didn't want to be, I couldn't see them. I, I didn't, they must've been like tied up against the wall, um, you know, closer to where I was and I couldn't see them. And, um, you know, probably in my previous days where, uh, just lack of experience, I probably would have kept pushing and inching over and just trying to get a little bit closer but the wind was still decent like I still was fearing like hey maybe it would get a little bit swirly and I felt like it did that at one point during the stock but for the most part it was pretty consistent which was awesome 
Um, so I was just like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit, I'm just going to wait it out and I'm not going to try to get too aggressive. I'm not going to throw a rock. I'm not going to grunt. I'm like, these deer have no idea I'm here. I've made it in perfect. And I, I literally just have to wait. So that was going to be my game plan. So I, um, just was kind of sitting there, hearts just racing, you know, you're just anticipating, How's this going to unfold? What's going to go down? Which deer is it going to be? Because again, I was prepared to shoot any three of those deer. I didn't care if there was a bigger one or smaller one. They were all a deer I would, I would shoot. So as I'm sitting there, all of a sudden I see some tips of velvet, uh, on the opposite side of the little ravine. And I'm like, Holy cow, like this is, this is sweet. So, um, buck walks out and he's just feeding like perfectly uh, broadside, head down, perfectly calm, has no idea I'm there, and he's on the opposite side of the ravine, which is about 10 yards wide. And at this point, I can't see the other two deer. Um, but I immediately recognize it was the third deer that was left before, you know, he dropped down into the ravine, and uh, he was the middle size uh, deer, and uh, nice five by five, whatever. And so I, I range him and hit him at 32 yards and i'm like sweet this is i've been practicing at like 30 yards all summer like that's probably the most that's the most common yardage i've been practicing so that was awesome because it was pretty much that exact range and uh he's feeding there perfectly broadside calm so i put my range finder down i kind of squat down like into a like i'm doing like an actual squat and uh draw my bow behind the rock and then just slowly kind of pick myself up just slowly kind of come up into a full uh standing position and uh really just settle that pin and and just take my time and when i've got it where i want it just boom let the arrow fly man and and that arrow smacked him good i uh the one thing i didn't anticipate was how much wind was coming through that that ravine like it was it was really ripping i've got some video of like me like after the shot like kind of talking and just showing my excitement but uh it was it was so damn windy like it was like a lot of the audio was just kind of bad <laughs> but so i didn't realize that it was so damn windy in that little ravine when i shot my arrow kind of like it definitely like kicked like 32 is not a, a long shot by by any means but it's not necessarily a short like 15 yard chip shot either so my arrow actually kicked pretty good i mean it didn't i mean anybody knows even if you shoot in like a 10 mile an hour wind like your arrows kind of like flailing around a little bit and you're like oh what's going on well it's it's the wind um so this drug it pretty pretty far back more than i anticipated and so i hit like three maybe four inches further back on that deer than i wanted but um shot him and hit him a little bit further back but it was like center height i mean good height up and down and when that arrow hit him man blood just immediately just started pumping like i knew i knew i'd hit him good and uh so i saw that arrow smack and i just couldn't believe it went right went right through him and uh came out the other side that deer ran around did a circle around me and I didn't even, 
I never saw the other deer. I like, I'm sure I did like maybe out of the corner of my eyes, but like in that moment, those deer just didn't even exist. Cause it's my, I, I put an arrow through an awesome buck. So I'm watching this deer and he like runs around me and, uh, basically kind of like runs like a hundred, 125 yards. I think I caught like one long, definitely got a little bit of gut. Um, the way it like angled back through and probably some liver, but I knew he was hurt bad. So he like ran like 125 yards, like stopped, kind of stood there for a few minutes. And I'm like, I, I know this deer's going to go down because he's, he's really, really bleeding and, and he was hurting. So after a couple of minutes, he bed down right there, watched him bed down. And man, he just, he just didn't last long after that. And, uh, man, when I saw him, you know, tip his head over and, and, and take his last breath. It was just, man, that was just a, such a cool feeling. And, and, uh, gosh, that, that was something I will, I will remember for the rest of my life. Cause it's the, it's the terrain. It's the, just the country I was in. It was just, it was just so surreal. And that moment of, of seeing that deer go down and being up at twelve and a half thousand feet in this amazing country, and I just shot my first mule deer on the first day I was hunting. The first morning, basically within the first hour, I was able to put on one stalk and kill my very first archery mule deer. I did. I like the stars aligned more perfect. Uh, than I could imagine. And I just, in that moment, I could not believe it all worked out that way on a great deer. Um, he's a, he's an awesome deer. He's not, he's not a world-class giant. Um, but I don't care. Like he's, he's perfect for me. And, uh, I was just, I was just so happy. And, and, uh, 2020 has been a tough year for sure for a lot of us and, and myself included, and, and just a lot of craziness in the world. So like, this deer was just, it was more than, more than just like a deer hunt. It was like, it was something I was looking forward to for, for almost a year and, uh, just kind of planning and preparation for it and for it to all go down how it did and work out so perfectly on the very first day. It was just, it was just amazing. Um, I've definitely, I joke about this a lot or talk about it a lot. Like I'm usually like a last day, last dollar kind of guy. I usually drag stuff out to the very last day. Not definitely not because I'm choosy or picky or or I'm passing up all these great animals. Like it just, it's always. I mean, my elk, my Kansas whitetail, my Oklahoma whitetail, um, uh, turkeys I shot, uh, pigs I've hunted in Texas. Uh, like everything always happens on the last one or two days and. Uh, for whatever reason, this worked out the exact opposite and I'll take it because I, uh, it's tough country and I was, I was definitely feeling it, uh, for sure that morning. So it was so cool. So I got the deer down or watched him, uh, and I wanted to give him, you know, a decent amount of time. Cause like I said, it wasn't like a death run. And then he like, you know, crashed and piled up. Like he, he like kind of slowly died over the course of, you know, five, 10 minutes. So I, uh, after I kind of saw him lay his head down, I, I went back down, got my pack and, um, yeah, didn't even follow blood trail cause I knew exactly where he was at. I, like I said, I watched him, watched him, uh, lay his head down over there. So grab my pack, walk up there and man, just walking up on that thing. And I'd never shot a velvet deer before. 
so that was really cool and and getting to feel and touch that velvet that was really neat and that's what i wanted like i was hoping to maybe still get a velvet deer um just hoping that it wasn't going to be too late in september and thankfully it wasn't so walking up to just like this deer i've been dreaming about it was it was pretty surreal so I was able, he, he died in a cool spot. He actually ran a little bit further back towards where I'd parked the truck and just died on this cool overlook, made for great pictures. Um, if you don't follow me on Instagram or, or Facebook at Transition Wild, go check them out. I, I posted um, a couple pics there, or at least one. But he's just a gorgeous deer. Um, it's got his winter coat on, very healthy, just pretty big bodied and just a beautiful overlook. So the pictures were just amazing. Um, like I said, everything I'm like explaining here just like couldn't have worked out any better. Like every single scenario, uh, just worked out perfectly, um, from start to beginning, which again, never, never happens to me, but I will take it. I, I absolutely take it and I'm very thankful for it. It's, uh, it's amazing. I, I love hunting more than anybody or not anybody, but I love, I love hunting as much as anybody. Um, but I'm definitely not going to, um, you know, complain about, uh, basically getting a bone thrown my way, <laughs> um, right on the first morning. So it was cool. Got my hands around him, took some great pictures and then it was time to get to work, man. It was, it was getting pretty warm. It was, it was sunny that day. It was really smoky. If you guys were in Colorado yourselves, that day was probably the worst, at least that I experienced this summer. We'd had some smoky days here, but it was it was pretty damn smoky that day too due to all the wildfires so um it was uh it was hot it was smoky and i was like i really don't have a lot of time i don't want to be messing around with anything so immediately got to work got him uh quartered up i was gonna do a full shoulder mount with him so i took my time and and definitely I uh, took my time with the cape and zipping up the back of the neck and everything. And um, so I got him corded up, had game bags with me, all my gear, everything. And got him, uh, you know, I put him in game bags. And then I, the, the only thing I had going for me up there was the wind. Like it was getting warm. It was probably like in the 60s, mid 60s, upper 60s. Uh, but I had the wind, like the wind like kept getting like more and more intense. So I'd kind of set these quarters and stuff on these rocks to, to let the wind in. So they'd be in the game bag, but the wind would come and hit them from both the top and the bottom. So that was helping like cool it off and everything. I was kind of freaking out. Like I got no shade. It's warm. I'm by myself. Like it's, I got to cape it. So that took more time. So I was just like, and it's just tough. Like you're trying to mangle, you know, wrestle this deer by yourself and, and, uh, do everything on your own. And man, it's at 13,000 feet or 12 and a half, uh, with bad air quality due to, to the smoke. I mean, man, I was kind of, I was kind of struggling up there. I was, I was, uh, I was really working. So, um, it was, it was a lot of work just to get them quartered up and everything by myself. And, uh, once I got that done, I kind of emptied everything out of my pack. My plan was, because I had coolers down at the truck that uh, had ice in them and, and everything, so I wanted to get the meat off the mountain first, so I left the head and the cape there, left all my gear, like my spot and scope, my binoculars, basically anything, I everything that was in my pack I took out, 
and loaded all four quarters, the back straps and the neck meat and all the other meat I brought out. Um, I did that all in one hit. I loaded everything up on the pack and it really wasn't, I mean, it was, it was a heavy pack for sure. I estimated, I don't know, 80, 90, maybe a hundred pounds. I mean, it was definitely the heaviest pack out I've ever done, uh, you know, full deer with, with all quarters and all the other meat. It wasn't a light load. Um, but the good thing was, is that it was all downhill. So I had the option to either, well, if I took one route, went back to the hiking trail, I was going to have to walk back up, walk up the drainage and then get back on the trail and then hike around. It was going to be like, I don't know, maybe add a half mile to it and a decent amount of elevation. But then there was this one little kind of cut that went all the way, kind of circled down and around directly back to my truck. So I was like, well, I'll take that too. Like it, I'll just drop down in this ravine and, and, uh, kind of take the more direct route. The only problem with that is that it was like, it was really steep. It was about, um, a thousand foot drop over the course of like three quarters of a mile. So it wasn't a far pack out. And I like, I, again, I, it, the way that worked out too, it was, it was crazy. Like I was expecting like maybe like three miles or whatever, but it all happened so close to the truck, which was, again, I'll take it. <laughs> um, but it was steep and, and, uh, I wasn't on a trail. It's a lot of side hilling and, uh, some loose rock and everything. And I, thankfully I had my trekking poles with me. I brought trekking poles and, um, so just started slowly making my way down and man, that was just, that was hard on the knees. That was hard on the back. That was a lot of weight. And, uh, to drop that much elevation, I, I really had to take my time. So I don't know. I probably hiked down to the truck in probably a half hour, 45 minutes, something like that. Just went real slow. Didn't want to sit down or take any breaks because, I don't know if I was getting back up very well <laughs> with that much weight. So uh, made the trip down, got all the meat out, uh, put in the cooler, drank a lot of water, had a little snack, and then hiked my ass back up uh, to go get the rest of the, the gear and the head in the cape. So did the hike back up, got back up there, and uh, gathered up the rest of the goods, strapped the, the head and the cape on, and went back for... Uh, for the last hike and and uh that time the pack was a lot lighter which is nice but still it's probably i don't know 30 30 40 pounds something like that so get back to the truck and man get everything loaded up and i brought all this gear and everything and all this food and supplies and whatever for a week and here i am back of the truck the evening of my first day out there and i've got a muley in the truck i couldn't i could not believe it like by myself doing everything got them all packed out all in one day and i had i had just been sleeping at my house that morning you know that night before so um yeah needless to say i packed everything up and and uh drove out of the unit and back in my house later that night so man it was just a really a really really cool hunt so many details I could I could get into and and maybe I'll do another podcast with somebody to talk about like some mule deer tactics and and like what I learned from this hunt 
a little bit because there were were definitely a number of takeaways and and although it was very short and I, I really don't have a lot of mule deer experience still um it, I, I definitely have some takeaways from that hunt and I'll and I'll cover that in a different episode but I just wanted to share kind of the play-by-play the preparation everything that led up to it and then the actual hunt and the pack out itself and cover all that so hopefully you guys aren't too bored I'm tired it's real late and hopefully I wasn't like uh, I started slurring some words in there I think a little bit um so yeah that's uh that's the story I I hope you guys if you if never done a high country mule deer hunt with a bow and you're a bow hunter and you've dreamt of that honestly like do it it's it's gonna be something that you'll just remember forever like it i kind of think of it as like my first elk hunt and and this is kind of no different it was just so cool highly recommend it and again thanks for listening hope you guys enjoyed this big shout out to our partners Expedition Archery, Skull Brew Coffee, and Outdoor Edge Knives. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon.